everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey guys, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Today we are in Matthew chapters 9 and 10, and there is so much that is packed into these chapters today. Some things we've heard before, but there are others that are just kind of like, it feels like a sucker punch, like, whoa, Jesus is just like telling these guys just exactly how it is. But I think it also holds meaning to us today because I think we can kind of fall on the opposite side of where the Pharisees are. We can kind of uh, lean that direction. So specifically what I am talking about right away is coming from Matthew chapter nine. So we'll probably land there first. Uh, But we're talking a little bit about how uh, Jesus is addressing the Pharisees in chapter nine verses about, let's see here. 10 through 12. So this is right after Jesus calls Matthew. So Matthew was a tax collector, um, super looked down on. Yes. Like, oh yeah, for sure. The Jews would have hated him. (laughs) Yes. Very unliked. Um, so Jesus, fun fun fact about Jesus, um, disciples. And this is like, blows my mind. Matthew was a tax collector. Mm -hmm. Simon was a zealot. A lot of times we read zealot and we don't think about what it means. The zealots actually carried special knives that were made for killing Roman tax collectors. Yikes! So Jesus, when he sets up his disciples, his group of people that are going to follow him for his entire ministry, picks a tax collector and a person who is a professional killer of tax collectors. So these two are literally like oil and water disciples, I feel like, that are getting thrown together in this mix. Oil and water is a is a kind way to characterize them. It's... Interesting to think through those dynamics. So anyway, Jesus has just called Matthew, and they're all sitting together. They're reclining at this table, and the Pharisees hear about it, and they're like, what is this guy doing? Like, does he not even know who Matthew is, all these tax collectors around them and all these sinners? What is he doing? Uh, and Jesus comes right back at them, and he's, he gives that verse or similar um I guess similar sounding phrase that we've heard before in other readings. He says, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, those who are sick need the doctor. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. And this for us is like a direct callback uh, to an Old Testament reading, Hosea 6, 6, which says, for I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And he's literally like, why don't you go read your scriptures and figure out what this means? Because I am here to show mercy to those who need it. And I'm not just here to like do all the, all the things. I've read a commentary that said they're not there just for religious formalities that don't mean anything. He's there to show mercy to those who need it because obviously they're sick. They need that doctor. I guess one of the really interesting things about Matthew is when Jesus calls him, he gets up and he leaves. And so the the thing that he was doing that was a sinful thing, he was lying and taking more money than he was supposed to do. We mm-hmm. can safely assume that about him. Um, he he leaves. He leaves that life like, to follow Jesus. He, he just up and stops. Yeah. He's done. And so, you know, we, we've talked about this this tension that is in grace and in truth, and you can easily fall off of either side. Well, my commentary also says the Pharisees always brought the proper sacrifices, but were completely lacking in compassion towards sinners. And I think what's interesting is I was just saying this earlier. I know a lot of 
a lot of ideas out there that we are either one or the other where we are completely full of compassion, but there is no standard. It's like, come just as you are. You are accepted exactly how you are. But there's also a piece that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like Jesus said to many, like, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. It's not like your sins are forgiven. Just keep on doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's this weird thing where it's like, why are there two separate camps? They need to merge together to make this beautiful thing that Jesus came and proclaimed as his message. Yeah. I mean, we've we've literally seen Jesus talk about he came to gather the wheat and burn the chaff. We'll see in chapter 10, uh, verse 29, chapter 10, verse 29, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, Mm -hmm. fear him who can destroy both soul and body, where? In hell. So Jesus is not... This super friendly, like whimsical, accepting everybody everywhere all the time person, his own teachings show that he's not that way. Right. So I think that the interesting tension that you can have is you can fall on the side of like, no one is ever good enough. No, you'll never do anything good enough. Which would have you'll been like never the measure up. You'll never be, which we believe you, you never will measure up. That's why you need faith in Jesus. But when you come to faith in Jesus, your life should change. Mm-hmm. Jesus doesn't just like walk with you as you continue to make incredibly dangerous sinful choices. And that is what the other side falls into. We're so gracious. We're so compassionate. We're so loving. We'll never even tell you that there is a standard and that there is a judgment. I just, that stuff drives me crazy um, because I don't want to fall in either camp. Uh, If I'm honest about my life, and actually, if you've been listening to the podcast, you are probably aware that I fall more on the less compassionate side than the super compassionate (laughs) side. I don't want to be one of those people on the sidewalk just shouting at everybody waiting to call down fire like the disciples will do (laughs) in a couple of chapters. Um, But I also don't want to be somebody that's just constantly proclaiming grace and compassion without standards, because both are incredibly dangerous. And I think to our culture and our time... There are a lot of people that are proclaiming the love of Jesus without the law of Jesus, without the obedience of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's not compassionate at all because you're you're unfortunately lulling people into death and separation from God, which Jesus himself warned people about. So don't preach a false Jesus to get more people in your church. That's just not great. I do have one other thing I want to look at in chapter nine. I would say like personally, as I'm reading through these just on my, I mean, for the podcast, but obviously I'm experiencing it as well. Uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to these healings that Jesus is doing because I want to have a better idea personally of how Jesus used healing, how the apostles use healing, how we use healing today. I've noticed that there are many times where Jesus proclaims forgiveness first and Mm -hmm. then proclaims healing as a symbol of the forgiveness Well, there's a lot of emphasis on living by faith and not by sight, um, which, I mean, that's definitely our own lives. Like when there are crazy things going on, it's obviously more beneficial to just like know and believe like in a faith that, yes, God's going to do what he's going to do. And like not based on what I've seen, I guess. I I think one of the interesting things here in Matthew 9, he here. Jesus here heals the paralytic. We've read this story a couple times. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he proclaims is that your sins are forgiven. And that makes everybody mad because you don't, they're like, <laughs> yeah. you don't have the authority to forgive sins. And then he heals the man to prove that his authority to forgive sin is real. Yeah. And so I've seen that as a little bit of a pattern. I don't want to go so far as to say that's always how it works. But it's interesting to me 
that um, even when Jesus is going to, this happens in chapter 10, we can use that to get into chapter 10. When Jesus sends out the 12 apostles to witness to the surrounding communities and towns about the authority of Jesus, he basically says, I want you to heal people and raise the dead to show that the day is coming. So like, even when Jesus sends the apostles out, he's saying like, you're going to do these things and it's going to be a sign of the authority of God. It's not meant for entertainment or gathering a crowd, Mm -hmm. even though it does gather a crowd. Many times Jesus is healing people um, and it gathers a crowd. I think some of those people that were healed, like they, they obviously came to an understanding of who Jesus was, the authority that he had. But I think other people too were healed and ultimately like they got kind of a short term fix because if their bodies were healed, but their souls were not healed, they ultimately missed out. And so I do think like, like I'm telling you guys uh, as an audience, like I've kind of been like wanting to really look into this healing thing. And I think one thing to pay attention to is we want to be calling people to repentance, not just to get their stuff fixed. We want to see them be healed. We want to see them be restored. I believe that people continue to be healed and restored, but I think we're doing a disservice if we don't ever bring people to a place of real repentance and obedience. And we're just gathering crowds to see magic tricks. I think Mm -hmm. that's kind of weird. I was just going to say, I think this can easily get wrapped up, too, in um, just, like, not having enough faith to be healed. And I've seen that, like, firsthand. I was on a missions trip, uh, like, I guess it would have been, like, end of high school. It was, like, this huge group of teenagers and, like, young some young adults. And there was a, a kid that was on our trip that was deaf. He'd been deaf since he was born. And we were on that trip and we were like, you know, just like so amped up on like, we're here to do God's Mm -hmm. mission. Like, we're so excited. We went, we were in Panama at the time and there was a night of just like prayer and worship and we all laid hands on this boy and everybody, like even his sisters were on the trip. They're like, this, he is going to hear. We are so excited. We're going to come back. We're going to see a movie when we get home. And like, it was just like, okay, maybe God's going to do this. Who knows? And we all prayed for him and he didn't, like he's still to this day, he is still deaf and he is living like a beautiful life with his wife and his kids. And like, it's really cool, like what he's been able to do because of his disability. But I think in that moment, it was like, oh my gosh, we didn't have enough faith to heal him. And I don't know that that's necessarily a way to look at it either, because I think that oftentimes is what like haunts people like oh my word it's my fault that it didn't work yeah i mean ultimately it's it's god's authority and god's right. power that does all these things so um here jesus is sending out the 12 um to go do these things it doesn't really record if they did do them or not necessarily we'll hear about that later mm-hmm. um so that we know we know the disciples did heal people we know that followers of jesus actually raised people from the dead Uh, But that's not in this immediate context. Um, But the thing Jesus really cares about is proclaiming that the day of the Lord is coming and bringing people to a place of faith. That's why he says in verse 15, Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Speaking of the town that rejects the gospel, rejects the message of Jesus. Again, this this is again Jesus talking about this ultimate judgment that is coming. And how if you do not accept faith in Christ, you will be judged at some point. Well, and if it's better than, 
or it's worse for them than the day of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's not good. That's real bad. So there are a lot of things going on in these two chapters today. And we definitely talked earlier about how chapter nine is just really calling out the Pharisees and what they were trying to do, trying to create this, um, you will never be good enough kind of situation. Um, And we also see Jesus who comes in and says, hey, like, because you're not good enough, because everyone is a sinner, I am offering mercy that you can come, you can accept me um, and live a life that is seeking to honor me because I am the ultimate sacrifice. So I guess for today, just remembering that we don't have to see things on this goofy scale where you're either on one side or the other, that Jesus has come to be the sacrifice for us, that we don't have to be perfect, but we do need to live a life that is honoring to him. So just kind of um, observe your own life. Think of the ways that if you are a believer, that you are constantly making an effort to obviously not seek perfection, but seek a life that is honoring the Lord and just kind of weed out those things that are keeping you from him. Um, But if you've not accepted the Lord as your savior, um, that you know that perfection is not needed, but he will meet you where you are to be forgiven and to live a life that is honoring him by turning away from the things that are keeping you from him. So thank you for joining us today and we'll see you guys back again tomorrow with more of the Gospels. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, uh, if you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Matthew chapter nine. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic, lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Rise up, take your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, 
My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched him on the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all that district. As they were going away, behold, a demon-possessed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Chapter 10 And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are these, first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. And whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. 
and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher, and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are more valuable than sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against father, and daughter against mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thank you.